Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from the English countryside here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. I'm Philisco. And with us again, the woman who will talk about anything except the war zone. She'll talk Jessica about Ellis. It. Jessica Ellis, thank you for, for allowing us to punk you with yet another uh, movie. I, I'm so glad to be here for a fun family adventure film. You know, really is lighthearted. It, it, it is a family adventure. I would agree with that. I So I just want to be uh, very clear about something. I did not know what this movie was about, Jessica, when I asked you if you would come on for this podcast. Uh, I don't know if, Kenny, you knew what this movie was about. I, I knew it was grim. Like, I knew that it was a, a tough watch. That was kind of all I knew. Um, I didn't even really know about the cast until I sent you the link, Jessica. And I was like, huh, I mean, Tilda Swinton and Ray Winstone and Colin Farrell briefly. Like, sure. Uh, how bad can this movie be? But I just genuinely didn't know what I was subjecting you to. So I, I want to apologize in advance. No, no, for, you don't for, need to. You, you for don't blindsiding need to apologize. you a little bit. I want to apologize for bailing three quarters of the way through the movie. No, no, no. Oh, you didn't, fin- you didn't finish the movie. I will get into why. <laughs> I understand. Hey, I understand. <laughs> I too. Uh, all right. So you broke it into two, right? Like you watched. I broke it into like six. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it, it's it's not it's not it's not a fun movie to watch. No, my I, I, I will say 
I know when you stopped, Jessica, I also stopped at that exact place. And uh, coincidentally, I mean, it's not much of a coincidence. It's where it's it's where one stops. And um, I came back this morning and I'm not trying to say like the end redeems it because it mm. is not really exactly redeemable. But uh, there's some shit Ray Winstone does in that last 30 minutes that I think is pretty fucking remarkable acting and writing. So um, I just I'm I'm not trying to say it's like great or whatever or it's a a fantastic movie, but there is a specificity of this particular type of uh, abuser um, who has um, complete and total power over the people he abuses um, that he wields uh, in a way that is not cartoonish in the end. Um, you know, I think we I think we're used to so many kind of cartoon depictions. Look, I, I, I really enjoy the movie It, for instance. But the uh, but but the depiction of the one female member of the loser gang's character, the father, that's what we you get all the time. You get an abusive father character generally towards a daughter, um, sexually abusive. You don't see anything. Uh, not that you necessarily should. I'm just saying you don't see anything that she uh, really experiences firsthand. And then that person is, you know, dealt with uh, in a poetically just way. Um, what Ray Winston does in the end of this movie is pretty, you know, clever, remarkable, nuanced, and uh, and true. I mean, it's it's really upsetting. So, I left last night thinking that this movie was total dog shit, and I finished this morning and think there there are there there are redeeming qualities to the movie. It is a it is a full thought. Is kind of what I'm getting at. It I is, totally it's agree with you. Thought. I I I don't think the movie is um poorly made and and i think the best thing about it is how they portray the dad like i think that's actually very brilliant my problems were not actually with the subject but the depiction i'm sure Uh, yeah that's like where i felt like roth crossed a huge line not with that yeah not to cut you off sorry just real quick because of something phil said earlier like i knew that there were I knew that there was incest in this movie. That wouldn't have stopped oh, me. I just that, that wouldn't I have stopped me from sending it to anybody. We've seen movies with incest. I'm gonna, what am I going to do? Not show you Chinatown? Like there, there are no, movies no, no. where that's that's you right. know central to the plot, and you sure. just kind of roll with it. Yeah. To Jessica's point, oh man, I didn't know what I was getting into in terms of like you know what we were going to be shown and the circumstances under which we were going to be shown it. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh... So I actually, I would like to give the synopsis real early on this one because I feel like it's worth, you know, $250,000 is how much this movie made. And I imagine that's the amount of people that saw this film. So for us to unpack this movie properly, I just want to give the synopsis so that we can sort of come at this and people aren't like, what is this movie about and what's going on? Uh, After his family relocates from London to rural Devon, sullen British teen Tom spends most of his time moping around the house when he inadvertently discovers an incestuous relationship between his older sister, Jessie, played by Lara Belmont, and their father, played by Ray Winstone. The revelation threatens to have dire consequences. The mother of the family, played by Tilda Swinton, unaware of the dark secret, has recently given birth and the siblings must contend with the harrowing situation. Uh, the war zone opened on December 10th, 1999 against the Green Mile, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, uh, Toy Story 2, The World is Not Enough and End of Days. It would go on to, as I mentioned, make about $250,000. It's got 84% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 83 from audiences. Um, I, I'm going to read uh, a chunk here of 
Be, Roger be, Ebert's before you go review. on, before okay. you go on, uh, let's play more or less problematic, more or less problematic than Brute than Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> Have you seen I, Deuce Bigelow, uh, Jessica? Yeah, I, I would make an interesting double feature. Um, I, I would, which goes first? I would say it's less, it's less. Prob- well, I don't know. That's a hard one to answer. Have, it's less ha- problematic because Deuce Bigelow is stupid. Like, it's not saying anything seriously well, or damaging. Deuce Bigelow has a heart. Deuce Bigelow is not damaging anyone's life, and I would argue that this movie has the potential to. More or less problematic than uh, The Green Mile. Um, I mean, it's that. funny you bring that up, Kenny, because I was having a discussion with... Uh, um, with a friend about the green mile the other day um, who had rewatched it recently and actually quite liked it. it makes me wonder whether or not, I mean, we, we did the green mile in year one of this podcast, I believe. So it's been a beat. Um, I'm still sure that I wouldn't like that film, but the, the tropes that that movie plays in uh, are, are problematic. And I think that this movie doesn't have tropes. Doesn't have, it doesn't have Mouseville either. It so does not have most nothing of redeeming them. Yeah, no, that I. very little about i knew tim roth directed it it's his directorial debut he has not directed a film since um i knew that ebert liked it i didn't know how much he liked it you mentioned it was on his top 10 list i completely forgot it was which is the main reason that i even you know thought we should do it had to do it any movie that's making ebert's top 10 list in this particular year is a object of fascination for Absolutely. me Absolutely. right um the all and and you know ebert always when he did his top 10 list particularly in the sun times he'd also do like often a second 10 and then a whole bunch of honorable mentions mm-hmm. so all the movies at this beat to get on his top 10 it, I, I i thought this was worth watching and i we don't have the choice frankly we have to watch it that's our job yeah, we here we're always going to do it that's our um, job but- here but but you know i do think that uh a british movie that made $250,000 even directed by a movie star could have slipped under the radar if it weren't Absolutely. for if it weren't for eber putting it on a top 10 under our radar i mean yes 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 yeah. for sure for sure it, it's so going into that i was I started watching the film. Generally speaking, I don't read Ebert's reviews of movies I haven't seen because he can some, I just, I don't want him to sway me one way or the other. Um, So I read the review after watching the film. Um, I'm going to just let me read this portion. Uh, It must be, it must've been something like this in medieval times, families living in isolation, cut off from neighbors, forced indoors by the weather, their animal and sexual functions, not always shielded, shielded from view. Tim Ross, the war zone brilliantly and heartbreaking 
takes place in the present, but it's timeless, most particularly, most particularly in its cutoff from the fix-it culture of psychobabble, which defies all the politically correct ways to consider incest. The movie is not about incest as an issue, but about incest as a blow to the heart and the soul of a real event here and now in a family that seems close and happy, not a topic on a talk show. But this isn't the case of Tom discovering incest in his family and blowing the whistle. It's much more complicated. How does he feel about his sister and about her relationship with her new boyfriend, Nick? What about his father's eerie split personality, able to deny his behavior and see Tom's interference as an assault on their happy family? What about the mother's willingness not to know? What about his sister's denial? Does it spring from shame, fear, desire to shield Tom and her mother from the knowledge? Unsurprisingly, the war zone affects viewers much more powerfully than a simple morality tale might. It's not simply about the evils of incest, but about its dynamic about the way it does play upon guilt and shame and address old and secret wounds. The critic James uh, Baradinelli, forgive me, I butchered his name, says that when he saw the film at the Toronto Film Festival, a viewer ran from the theater saying he couldn't take it anymore and went looking to pull a fire alarm. Roth was standing near the exit and intercepted him, becoming confessor for an emotional outpouring that the movie had inspired. Roth is one of the best actors now working, and with this movie, he reveals himself as a director of surprising gifts. Roth and his actors and Stewart's screenplay understand these people and their situation down to the final nuance and are willing to let silence, timing, and visuals reveal what dialogue would cheapen. Not many movies would bring not many movies bring you to a dead halt of sorrow and empathy. This one does. I mean, I appreciate what he's saying and i appreciate the way that he feels about the way that incest is depicted in this film i would agree that it's specifically as you mentioned kenny the father's portrayal that makes this not quote-unquote just another movie about incest at the same time it's so harrowing to watch and on top of all of this Lara Belmont and Freddie Cun- uh, Cunliffe, the two actors, were both underage during filming. Um, their parents read the script and were aware of what was involved. Uh, the last thing any of us wants in the production is to scar the kids in any way, said Tim Roth. I'm sure that's true, but this is just very upsetting to watch. And I'm not entirely convinced a necessary movie, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to say it other than the fact that I'm not, I'm not sure that we needed this film. I'm not saying that it shouldn't exist. I'm saying that I don't know what it's, what it's bringing to the table. That's entirely worthwhile to me personally. That's where I come out on it. Kenny, do you have thoughts on this? I didn't know they were underage. That's really upsetting. Just to hear that. That's really upsetting. I, I don't expect anyone to rush out to watch this movie. I wouldn't right. do. I wouldn't suggest anybody does it. Um, so you know, and by the way, like massive trigger warnings from here on out. I would oh, say because yeah. um, I I think that it's you know you have to discuss some really disgusting things and really disturbing things in order to actually get at the the movie the, the yeah sure. yeah yeah the spine of this film. So. Um, this movie is uh, has has a lot of nudity and a lot of nudity from all the characters, um, Tilda Swinton and Ray Winston, full frontal for uh, both of them, and Laura Belmont or Belfont is nude. Is that Belmont, right? You're right? Belmont, Belmont yeah. is nude for in 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 four or five scenes, yeah. and she is just raped in one scene. Like you, yeah. it, you just it's it's one of the most insane. To, 
things I'd ever seen on film. This underage character played by now an, an underage actor raped by her father um, in a very matter of fact way. Uh, and it's I, like I has I, I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to disagree with you, Phil, because I hesitate to say anything like is not a movie that, you know, we need or whatever, like a movie that, that makes you feel I'm not saying any I'm not for censorship, just to be clear. Like, I'm not saying you're not. Of course you're not. I'm just saying I don't know what this movie is. Look, there, I, I've never like there are there are movies that I, I never I've never seen. I never will see like I'm never going to see a reversible. I have no interest in seeing that movie based on what I've heard about it. I'm never going to see a Serbian film. You know, there are movies that, that I'm just not going to see. Right. Um, this is kind of on the border of that and and what what do you do with a movie like that like my argument for this film would be it's not really the it actually is the content for me it actually i don't know how else to put it i I don't like saying that but it actually is the content um that makes it so repulsive and makes it something that i just don't want to ride for i don't know how else to put it jessica yeah jessica please (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the context I had coming to this movie was knowing that Roth is an incest survivor, and so was his father. Oh, God. Um, they I were both. Not know that. Yeah, they were both raped by his paternal grandfather. Um, okay. He talked about it a little when this movie came out, and then he talked about it more in an interview about four years ago. And I, I read all of that before I, I saw the movie. So approaching this movie, having directed exactly as many movies as Tim Roth has. I really was looking at it as like, this is a, you know, a young, at the time, a pretty young guy working through this trauma and, you know, all power to victims of this kind of thing to work through their trauma, how they need to. But the minute he decided to shift the victim's point of view to a young girl and to do this to an underaged, completely unexperienced actress that felt exploitative to me. That felt like someone trying to reenact what had happened to them in a way they could control, but not thinking about what that puts on the actress, not thinking about that from a female perspective of how, how it is different. And, and the moment I, I checked out on this was the rape scene because the girl is full frontal. I mean, it's like a real time scene and the guy, the father's genitals are carefully hidden behind his shirt. And I was like, no, that's it. We are caring more about this actor's modesty and this and, and, and protecting that and some standard of what we can show with women versus what we can show as men. It, it, it felt it felt incorrect to me to be watching that that film. I, I, I can't imagine being, you know, I was an actress when I was 17. I can imagine saying yes to a role like this because of the opportunities it afforded. And, and you know, you want to do dramatic stuff, but. I hope that actress is okay because that is an enormous amount to put on a child's, you know, mind at that age and having her body just out there in public in screenings for Roger Ebert to watch and and have deep thoughts about is, I don't know. I found that over the line for me while having sympathy for a lot of the portrayals and, and, and for Roth grappling with this story. Like it just felt like, I don't know if this is somebody that's processed their trauma enough that they can talk about this stuff in a way that doesn't harm the people they're making reenact it. I mean, obviously an incredibly valid perspective on this. I don't, I mean, I, I, I also thought the same thing during the, the bunker scene that we're talking about the fact that 
she is so exposed and he is not. Um, it, it was hard not to notice that to some degree or another. Um, it, it's it's also just, I mean, and I, to talk about this movie, you have to talk about these things, but um, the the sort of the the sodomy component of the sequence was also sort of an additional awful thing where uh you know she's asking why he won't have sex with her like he does with her mother um which is adding sort of there's just there's these layers of of just emotional and physical abuse in that one sequence um that makes it hard for the film at least for me i mean i watched the, i watched it i guess kind of in like two chunks but um hard for the film to come back from that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying what you were saying, Kenny is, is incorrect. I agree with you that the movie comes as close to coming back from this with the portrayal of the father. But I still would say that it doesn't for me personally, make it all the way back. It's, it's just, you're, you're watching something so harrowing and so awful. Um, that I just, I, I, I don't know, like my brain's like on some has switched off to some degree or another from that point on. Yeah. I, no, I, I, I'm not. It's, I don't know. I feel like Jessica said it as well as anyone can say it. It's, you know, the, it's almost um, too generous to call it a technique, but the technique employed by Roth in that bunker scene is uh, I think maybe unforgivable and um you know it's like who can watch last tango in paris now knowing what you know about the way that that movie was made you know and there is a in particular a movie like that right you know it's a little different i mean like i can watch i heart huckabees knowing david o russell was was mean but knowing what happened uh on the set of last tango in paris and so many movies from i mean karina longworth did the whole uh, erotic 80s um, podcast on this and so many of the stories of these erotic thrillers of the 80s were you know like eight and a half and things like that where these female actresses just being abused and, and being forced into situations where they had no control and where they weren't you know empowered to say stop or they did say stop and they weren't listened to and I think uh, it, it's even compounded by in this film because this is 1999 we're supposed to know better and this is a 17 year old or a 16 year old. It's, it's hard to know. I looked at it. She was born in 80. This movie was probably made in 97, something like that. 96, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just, yeah, it's the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the only thing I would say is I'm thinking like, at least, at least it wasn't done in a way that was, um, like Last Tango in Paris, where I believe Last Tango in Paris kind of felt like they were romanticizing the relationship a little bit. Um, right. And and that's not what was happening here. Sure. But uh, I think your point about, you know, kind of the, the power and balance that comes from the actors, you know, because Ray Winston is full frontal earlier in a non-sexual scene. But um, the 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 power balance that comes with the actors having the ability to say, to, you know, one one having no power and having to do whatever the director says, the you know the guy from Pulp Fiction says, and the uh, and the other actor saying, you know, you shoot my dick and I'll kick your ass. Um, I think that's a pretty big deal, and I think that's almost disqual- I think it's almost disqualifying. I think at that point you kind of can't even make the film. 
Um, I, I don't so, disagree. I, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I guess when they were shooting the bunker scene, um, uh, the, one of the sound grips uh, ruined a take by crying. Um Ray Winstone uh, found the acting, the scene so upsetting that he nearly left the production on several occasions. Um, you, you just, I, I guess you got to ask yourself, well, what are you doing at a certain point? Yeah, you know? I mean, and we're in that era of, you know, in the late nineties of like the, the all powerful auteur director. And, and you just, I'm sorry, you don't have the right to make people suffer like that to get a movie. You, you just don't as you wouldn't in any other scenario, like that still makes you an awful person. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim Roth. hundred percent. I mean, it, I think that, you know, it makes me think of, of, you know, Lars von Trier comes to mind, yeah. you know, um, a, a filmmaker who um, believes that he can put his actors through whatever is necessary to get the performance. Um, this is not defending his actions, but he has got some pretty incredible performances out of people. That's not to say that it was worth what they went through. I mean, Bjork has made it clear that she'll never act again, despite her brief cameo in The Northman. But like, I just think it's interesting that we're still kind of letting this happen. You know sure. what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah, sorry. So it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, the public did not have access to this information, mm-hmm. right? For a bunch of reasons. There were the, the media wasn't reporting on it. There weren't entertainment reporters the way there, there was also women didn't feel like they could say something women and men, right? In, and directors wielded so much power with the studios and producers were protecting directors and all that stuff. What that meant was, and I'm just being as, you know, 30,000 feet as I can, you know, as completely emotionally, you know, distant, emotionally removed from this is what that meant was the finished product was the finished product and the audience just got the finished product. So a director can sit back and be like, it doesn't matter what I do. The art is the art, right? You can't do that anymore as an artist because art is not just art anymore all right and i don't i know that sounds stupid but i know everything that went into now now because i'm a online person and because i'm a person who's aware of what's going on in the media i know everything about don't worry darling i know everything about that movie right and i can't possibly go into don't worry darling and pretend i don't it's part of the movie now Right. Just like I go watch a Woody Allen movie and that's part of the movie. Just like I go watch, you know, look, there's a Rolling, all of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rolling Stone just did their top hundred t- television shows. And notably to me, I mean, notably to Seppenwall, who put it together, but notably to me, Louie and the Cosby show were left off. I get why Louie and the Cosby show were left off. You can't watch those shows without thinking about what these guys did. Right. And there, and I think there actually is a line. Like, I think there actually is a line where you can turn your brain off and you can't turn your brain off. Right. So I, I, I know or turn your brain or like turn the volume down a little bit. Right. Shows made by or starring other awful people were on there. Chappelle's show was on there. You know, so there is a thing where there is a, a little bit of a line. But no, you can't just pres- assume that the that the audience is not going to be aware of how this movie is made. Audiences are savvy. Audiences are online. Audiences have access to all this information, and it all matters. And by the way, like you can't have it both fucking ways. You can't be like you can't be as much as we love Eyes Wide Shut. You can't be Stanley Kubrick and say, "Well, I want you to bring your 
your understanding of Tom Cruise's star personality and about his marriage with Nicole Kidman. Bring that to the movie. That's good. But don't bring any stories you heard about the, what I put them through on the set. Like, don't bring that stuff. That's not fair. But please, like, understand that, like, Tom Cruise has this interesting relationship with the sexuality. Please understand that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman have this relationship that may or may not be set up by Scientology. Please bring all that stuff with you. Like, it's just not the truth. It's not even it's not even there's no there's no value judgment here. It's just not the truth. So, yeah, I do think that this is almost like to the point of being disqualifying. Um well, and I think you know, and I think you're living in a fucking you're living you're you're living in some kind of fantasy world if you think that this is not the case. I, I, I absolutely agree. I think that, you know, it's interesting because I do feel like there are filmmakers take a David Fincher, for instance, right? A guy who notoriously will make you do a hundred takes of a thing because he wants to see you stop acting, essentially, right? Um I've never read anything about Fincher being abusive. I mean, people say he's He's a hard ass. He's you know a taskmaster. I mean? He's a taskmaster, and 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 he knows what he wants, and he and he, and he wants to get you there. Um, and I think that's somewhat similar to Kubrick to a to a degree. I'm not saying that that's. I'm not trying to conflate the eyes wide shut thing, but I just think that it's just interesting um, how some filmmakers just that that line just gets lost, right? Where where professionalism goes out the window and a, and a, and an artistic ideal is worth essentially abusing people for. Um, and I, and I mean, to me, that's just obviously insane. And I, and I, I don't understand why we allow it. Um, I like to think that we're allowing it less and less because all of this stuff is coming out and, and, and that's a good thing, but watching this at this time, with all of the stuff that Tim Roth was bringing to this emotional baggage, I didn't know about watching it. Um, this was clearly an attempt to work through his issues, but he lost the thread, right? Like he conflated all of these other things that I think muddied the waters. So it's all kind of the thesis statement or whatever sort of catharsis he was looking for. I, I mean, I, I hope he found it. I, I don't know. I don't know what to even say. Jessica, you're a, actual real life filmmaker um when when you when you when when you're thinking about uh what to write in but things you're going to be directing in particular right things that you're actually going to be kind of you know a jessica ellis film about um how do you approach the how do you approach the difficult stuff that you know your actors are you know there you know there's a bad way to do it you know and you know there's a less bad way to do it how do you approach this, these, these tricky situations? I, it's tough. I mean, you, I particularly have a reverence for the responsibility that a director bears to not ruin anybody's life. Like that was why I, I avoided directing for so long was because so many of my early experiences, like watching directors and being in plays and stuff were with really dictatorial, brutal auteur style directors and I was like well I don't want to be that and that's all I'm seeing so when I am writing stuff that's going to be emotionally difficult that's going to be you know sexual at all you know my first question is like would I agree to do this on screen and you know like if somebody said like we need to shoot this scene with you doing this would you do it and so that's question one question two is like it's stuff that I try to 
it's something I will always talk with actors about. It's it's like, let's get into this. Where are you uncomfortable? Is there a way we can do this? We'll make you feel better. You know, I haven't gotten, unfortunately, to direct with a, an intimacy coordinator, but I really think that's a great idea that we've incorporated into that because it it is also very difficult for actors who are trying to make a good impression on their director and stay on their good side to be fully honest and say, you know, I'm uncomfortable with this, whatever. And giving giving yourself a little space and a third party that can be a, you know, a, a translator for both sides is is helpful. But I mean, there are ways to be authentic without being brutal. There have to be. If there, if I can't find one, I'm not a good enough writer to handle that material. And I, I shouldn't approach it because the risk of actually damaging someone is too great. And as much as I love movies and have made my whole life and career about them, I don't believe a movie is worth anybody's like real psychological suffering. I, I don't think that's why we do this. I, I don't think that's good for anybody. We've, we've managed to find ways to kill people on screen without killing them in real life. Yeah. I think we can do this. (laughs) But there are, there there is, you know, this cult of, of idea that, that pain must be real on screen. And, and it's just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. The Lawrence Olivier thing, try acting. Try acting. Yeah. I'm very much on the try acting side of it. I, I'm 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 100% on the filmmaking is is you know S and M, right? Like filmmaking requires uh, consent from all sides, requires consistent consent. Require you should have a safe word. Like if someone if someone wants to go now, look, there sometimes people are dangerous to themselves. But if someone wants to go, you know, hardcore method and stay up for two days to look tired for a scene, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to say go for it. Now, look, that that comes with a bunch of caveats. That comes with I really know this actor. This actor really knows me. We really trust each other. We are in this together from the beginning to the end. The same way you should be in. You should be if you are in a sexual relationship that involves bondage. It's the same idea. Right. Like literally, it's the same idea that you you are you are you are edge playing so close together that you have to be 100 percent in line. And to to bring it back to Warzone, just like with sexual consent, literally impossible with a 16 year old, literally impossible. I I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about another film that the three of us have talked about, which was uh, Sex, Lies and and Videotape, which we talked about on our on our 89 Patreon, which was um, which we all loved and is is a great movie. And I and I would argue um, proves that you don't need to be sexually explicit to be sexually explicit. Right. Like the 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 emotional terrain that that film um traverses i think is i guess what i'm getting at is i think that this film could very well have spoken to all of the issues that it's speaking to without being as graphic as it was um now i don't i mean i i don't know i mean maybe i'm wrong i mean would we would be would we be talking about this film if uh if the whole movie had been like uh, Tom accidentally seeing the the father and and daughter in a bathtub together, which we don't actually see. Um, you know, could this have been an off screen type situation or one that's less graphic and been as effective? I don't know, but it makes me wonder. Yeah, I don't have a problem with sexual explicitness in movies. In, in fact, I think it's a good idea because we're also 
uncomfortable with nudity in general. But, you know, when you when you back up a few feet and look at the power structure of Hollywood, it's like, I don't believe Kate Blanchett is ever going to do a nude scene she doesn't want to do now because she's an incredibly powerful actress and she has the capability to say no without damaging her career. Yeah. But a 20 year old girl, you know, a 17 year old girl, especially especially an untrained actor, which this was like, you know, cause actors are a lot of actors are like you said, Kenny, they're willing to, to do crazy things. They, they like pushing the envelope. They like pushing their limits and that's fine. And you have to like, you know, be a good shield around them while they're trying to do that. But like, but yet trying to be puritanical. Yeah, I, was, and the, I was just saying that the, yeah. the power of this medium, which is very powerful, doesn't necessarily have to be graphic as well as I guess what I'm getting at. No, but I also don't. Yeah, but it also doesn't have to be hidden. It just has to depend on the the cape, like the the your actors and how they feel, and if they have the institutional power to for you to know that they're being honest with you about whether they're okay about it. Look, I I I mean, I I think Jessica, you you were saying that it just reminds me of a film that I can't even believe that we did, and we didn't, and and we let Jordan get away with what she got away with talking about it. But this reminds me. The General's Daughter, which is a horrible movie. And Can as I like a, you say, let Jordan get we, away with what she did. <laughs> I hope she gets tagged on the episode because like, I just can't believe we let Jordan like try to like, 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 like not even convince us because she never convinced me. But I mean, this, she I, railroaded that episode. And, but, but there's, but I, I mean, anyway. her, her, <laughs> part of her, uh, part of her argument yeah. for showing, you know, essentially, if you don't know Jessica, I'm sure you know the general's daughter, just you know, at least by reputation. Yeah. But uh, the genre Volta film where uh, a young woman is raped and killed on a uh, military base and, and, like, and like splayed out and like strapped to the ground. And you and, and you see a little. But what you really see is this like really beautiful woman uh, in this incredibly vulnerable situation. And it never felt to me like it was anything other than, you know, um, the, 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 the basest level of exploitation. Yeah. But Jordan's point, which I don't think applies to that movie was uh, <laughs> she can't avoid it. Why should we Right. the, the scene, the depicting the rape, right? Uh, if she has to experience it, uh, perhaps we should too. Which I think is a fairly powerful argument. I think it's a quite powerful argument um, for a lot of movies. Not for a shitty ass movie like General's Daughter, which isn't actually about that. But um, like a giant studio movie, like it's it's a crazy that's movie. No. That movie's insane. That movie it's is just it's not it's not it's not ultimately in any way it, like it's a MacGuffin crime, right? It's a MacGuffin crime. It's just about like this horrible thing happened. Let's solve the crime. Yeah. Um, this is not about that. This is actually about the act and the you know the the way it, it kind of the 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 effect it has on all these people so i do think to some extent that depiction here is warranted mm-hmm. um i think the way they did it is is disastrous and i think yeah. that's really all it comes down to and particularly be particularly because it was you know you were viewing it from tom's point of view because he was videotaping it because clearly you know what's i was what's ironic about the whole thing is this movie this deeply understands power dynamics the whole reason Tom is videotaping this act is not because he wants to. It's because he knows he's going to need the proof because he's a 16 year old little idiot and his 
parents are not go or his, or his dad's not going to back down and his mom's not going to believe him unless he yeah. could show him the proof or at least you know i think he's reasonable i think he has is reason to believe that yeah right so we're seeing it from tom's point of view and but you see it again in this way where ray winston's completely covered up um and uh and lauren i forgot her name again laura belmont. Uh, laura, laura belmont is not and it's uh yeah it's it's I, pretty know, gross it, it's i what I think is also interesting and worth unpacking for a second here is, is sort of the first 40 minutes of this movie, let's say half hour, 40 minutes of this film where, where I, I genuinely didn't know where it was going. I actually, I, I thought that um, uh, the performances were all interesting. I thought that uh, Tilda Swinton, who is always great, who had literally just given birth to twins prior to the making of this film. Um, she, you know, I, I appreciated the fact that, um, that she was willing and, and, and wrapped her arms around the idea of the physicality of, of what pregnancy you know does to your body. She looked like a person who just had children. It was, um, it, you know, it, 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 that shouldn't be brave or whatever the word is that people would associate with it. I just appreciated that she did it. Um, I, I think that she's always a great actor. I don't know that she's given a whole lot to do in this film, um, which was a little bit disappointing, but the first portion of the film um, I found, you know, kind of interesting in a sort of Ken Loach, Mike Lee kind of way of just feeling like, you know, fly on the wall of a family in England and, and uh, the, the, her delivering the kid after the car gets. Oh yeah. That was wild. I was like, what? Like, this is crazy. Yeah, That was wild. (laughs) Like he totally forgot about that. Yeah. (laughs) seem to have blood on them for like five days after that car accident i didn't know if that was just we didn't have makeup to do realistic wounds or if that was supposed to be like foreshadowing but it was like it's it started in a place that i was like you know okay i'm i'm alarmed for this ride i don't i didn't as i mentioned kenny i didn't know about the incest i didn't know about where it was going um I thought it was I thought it was effectively directed and then it just careens off into a place where it just can never rebound for me. Um, but but I will say that, you know, Ray Winstone, who is very good in this movie, who's, who's a very good actor. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I've ever disliked Ray Winstone in anything, quite frankly. Uh, he always feels very uh, believable. But I've never seen him. I've never seen him capital A act like this before. He that you know? scene when he is gaslighting both yeah. of them. Yeah, just at the end of the movie. I mean, just so you have, we'll blow it for the for for people. But basically, Tom confronts him. Yeah. Um. And uh, there's two. Right. The first thing that happens, yeah, before he even confronts him, actually, first thing that happens, he goes and tells Tilda Swinton about it. Tilda Swinton calls Ray Winston and says, "Don't come to see the baby. The the baby's in the hospital." And I'm not going to describe what happens to the baby. It's. Yeah, I read the Wikipedia summary. It's it's insanity. Oh, so you know what happened? All right, so so basically, wait, did I miss something with the baby? Yeah, did you watch like did you watch like a hype like an edited version? No, but I, you're gonna have to tell me what what it was because I don't I I genuinely don't remember. The baby the is bleeding internally, and you see uh you see a lot of blood come out. You didn't okay. see that? I I you you literally may have had like a like an episode where you blocked it out. It's possible, or or quite frankly, I was looking at my phone for a moment and missed it. So good, so. good moment to look at your phone. Apparently, apparently. Um. So, uh, yeah. So Tom tells tells went off camera, yes. but he, he calls way. She calls Ray Winston says, um, and says, "Don't come see the baby." But we don't. Ray Winston at that point doesn't know 
what, what, why she said that, you know? So Tom comes home and, um, what's the, what's, um, Jesse, what's Jesse is crying, says, thanks, Tom. But again, you know, she doesn't, we don't know exactly what's up. And then Tom, that that moment, by the way, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you that moment when she's crying and literally like, I mean, I just want to say she's great in this movie. She's incredible. She's incredible in this film. Um, The way her body is convulsing and she's like, it's, yeah. There's a tenderness between those two brothers, between the brother and sister characters that, well. Jessica has thoughts about Tom, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we can talk about that in a second. But um, all right, hold on. So more or less what happens is, Tom tells Ray Winstone, uh, you, you fucked her. You fucked my, my sister. And Ray Winstone immediately is like, you're out of your mind. Like you're out of your mind. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, I'm going to put He's you like away screaming at him. Cause like Tom runs to his bedroom and just to sort of, cause the, no, well, first, about the geography first, of it, I think is first Ray Winstone starts yeah, hitting punch him. Him. He doesn't just like run away. First yeah, he starts yeah. hitting him. Yeah. Tom kind of runs away to safety and Ray Winstone keeps yelling up the stairs. I'm going to, send you away. I'm going to basically send you to a sanitarium. Um, He goes up to his room. Jesse follows and they lock themselves in the room. And uh, then they go like in that room, I think is when Jesse is like also says it. Right. And then where one someone immediately is like, look what you did. You made her start believing it. You're now she's believing your lies. Right. Uh, Tom grabs a knife at some point. uh, And It happened before this, actually. But Tom grabs a knife, and in the course of an argument where he's, you know, where he continues to gaslight, 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 uh, Tom stabs him, and um, he kind of, you know, bleeds out on the floor, like calling for Jesse. There is also a moment where you do think, like at least I thought that they, that Jesse and Tom, were going to, you know, have some kind of romantic moment, romantic. which they do in the book. That doesn't surprise me at all, by the way. Um, and because I thought it was going to happen. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw this coming. But it didn't happen. They just kind of spoon on a bed. Um, and fucking good for good for them for not doing it, honestly. It, it, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I, I see. Well, I know. I just I, I, I see thematically why you would do it. But you also just destroy this character. Um, and you, you it's. It implies something about humanity that uh, I wouldn't want to imply if I were making this film, you know? Yeah, I I mean, when I read that, that, that it happened in the book, I was like, yeah, no, I think the movie does a better job of implying it and then actually going there. I mean, I'd say it's, it's one of the ways that this film holds back a little bit. Um, there's clearly an uh, inappropriate, connection between these two characters um and i'm thankful that they don't really that they don't consummate it as they do in the book i just i but. think the whole point to me is that while there may be an attraction from tom to jesse mm-hmm. and it probably is mm-hmm. i believe the point is that his morality is overriding it and i think that that's fairly important you know i i think like it's funny you just watch little children right and I think so much of what little children is about is like, are is it, is it, is it broken? Are you broken if you're like this? Or is there any way to override this thing that Jack Earl Haley's character, you know, has like, is that overridable or are they born monsters? And I feel like if Tom 
slept with Jesse or they had some kind of thing, sexual thing. Um, it's not so much that he was a born monster, but that he would have been, you know, kind of broken and unable to deprogram himself, unable to like, you know, untangle those wires. And that would have, to me, honestly, that would have just that. This movie's fucking bleak as shit, but that would have been like, that would have been like bleak forever. That would have just been like bleak, like, like forever, forever, like generational trauma. You will never come out from underneath it. Like we will always be like, like held down by at least this is somewhat hopeful in the idea of like, no, you actually can kind of reprogram yourself. You know, the sins of your father are not necessarily, um, you're not necessarily fated to, to follow them. So I, I don't know. I don't, I, I think this is, you know, a, a, an extremely kind of interesting film and obviously I'm, I'm compelled by it. Like I, I, I think it's an interesting conversation you have out of it. Um, but I also what are your thoughts on Tom, Jessica. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't finish the movie. I read the summary, so I'm not like, I know what happens, but I don't necessarily know all the context in which it happens. I was um, incredibly disturbed by the scene where Tom first confronts Jesse they're outside the house. It's early on. And he's seeing them in the bath and he brings it up. And she's like, no, nothing happens. And he attacks her. I, I mean, he physically throws her to the ground, yep. gets on top of her, is choking her. And I, I, it's not like siblings wrestling. We've seen them like play wrestle before. It's violent and aggressive and possessive. And that to me was what the movie became about at that point was that these are actually just two men warring over owning the women in an isolated location where there's no other society and there's no other options. Like, so I don't know, like Tom, Tom is a character. I didn't particularly like that actor's performance. I thought it was very blank and, and very um, just, I didn't get a lot out of it, um, but Mm -hmm. it felt so brutally possessive of her and the way like he as like a 15 16 year old boy is comfortable walking in on his sister when she's topless like i don't know if either of you guys had siblings but if my brother did that to me i would have like screamed bloody murder and killed him like and they do it entirely casually like a lot of the nudity stuff in the movie i'm kind of interested by like tilda swinton breastfeeding and like you know the the way it's in discussion about like family intimacy and what is okay and what isn't okay and and nudity and context but like you don't parents being nude on the bed together yeah just all all that yeah yeah. but you don't sit down on a bed with your as a teenager with your naked sister that's not i Mm. i don't think that's a common dynamic and so I don't know. I mean, it was obvious that she was somewhat the focus of his like sexual fantasizing partially because he had no other options out there in the middle of nowhere. And they were so clearly isolated, but like, I don't know. I didn't feel like he was a, a loving brother. I felt like he was fighting for possession of her because he was angry that she had been raped. He was angry at her the same way the father is angry at her for having a boyfriend. I think the fact that it is unusual is the point. Um, you know, the nudity, I the, nudity side the, the the yeah the 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 relationship they had. I think that's the point of the of the relationship. I think the point is that he's confused. I think you know there's it's no coincidence that the girl he's quote unquote supposed to be into this girl Lucy looks a lot like his sister. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that 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 that's definitely what 
Tim Roth is, is teeing up there. And I think the isolation is a big part of it. Um, I'm my, I, I mean, my, my read on the character and the performance is just a little, I mean, softer than yours, which is he is 15 or 16. He is, uh, he has been kicked out of two schools. He has been uprooted. This is an incredibly heavy thing for him to be, you know, grappling with. And I don't know if there is a quote unquote right way to, to, deal with what he's learning in this situation um i also think that yeah he might have been mad at jesse she was lying to him now i'm not saying she shouldn't have been i'm not saying that he should have been mad at her but i do think the 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 reaction when i saw something inappropriate between you and dad and she's stone-faced telling him i would tell you if i if there was something inappropriate and there's not that's when he started to feel like there's something going on here that is feeling wrong and feeling off to me. So I don't feel like, I, I, I just don't feel like it's. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The I don't feel like what happening what's happening in the movie is two men warring for this possession of this woman. I think it's a a man possesses this woman, and uh, a boy is trying to figure out exactly how he feels about the situation that has been foisted upon him well and also i think it's i mean yeah there's a part of me too that feels like it is about tom figuring out his sexual feelings as well to some degree um whether they're about his sister or about just women in general i think he's obviously a very confused young man um you know you mentioned the performance uh which I also was not particularly a fan of. I found him a little bit too flat and a little too unengaging. And this is going to sound horribly superficial, but I found him tough to look at that kid's acne and like all of it. I only say that just because it, I, felt too, I thought it those were felt too real. Am I crazy? You know, I thought those were, sc- <laughs> I guess I hoped those were scars from the crash. No, that was no, like cystic that acne. Was, that was, I mean, they, they didn't do him any, they did not try to conceal it in any no, way, and, shape, and, or form. Yeah. This isn't me uh, shitting necessarily on, on the aesthetic. It's more than anything, it felt so, he just felt like such a real 16-year-old kid to some degree, or 15, however old he is. Like, he's just so clearly grappling with identity and just a lack of understanding where he fits in the world. And he clearly has no compass from anybody really uh, certainly within his family. Um, And then on top of all of that, there's just the, 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 
so knee deep in puberty, like just so written all over his face that it was just tough to. I thought he was all right. I don't know. I guess I I don't know. I I mean, I get what you guys are saying about him and and you're not you're not wrong. I I think my problem is that um, Jesse is allowed so little agency like she she's allowed she has so little of a personality and we don't really get a lot of insight into her and all the concern like again this goes back to my problem with how the movie is framed and who it's focusing on it's not focusing on the actual rape victim it's focusing on how her brother feels about it and that is being used to justify him physically attacking and strangling her because he's upset. And he is upset. Like, I get that he's upset that she's lying to him and all, all of that. But, like, what he is doing is also abusive. Everybody is abusing this poor girl in this movie. And nobody seems to be interested in her. Like, no, the the movie is not interested on her perspective on it. It's not interested on her perspective of how she feels about her brother. She is just being objectified constantly in this movie over and over by everybody, including the director, including the director. There's no there's there's no question about that. There's no question about that. And I think it was one of the first things you said, Jessica, that, you know, kind of sticks with me is uh, Tim Robin, Tim Robbins, Tim Roth making a movie kind of about his experience, but not about his experience using the point of view character that is his, you know, his access point potential, his his access point is not the victim, but the person observing it. And the victim is a woman and not a man uh, like he was. So the, it's weird because he's like 95% of the way there. Um, to actually like kind of discussing something that is incredibly traumatic to him, but that extra five percent is really where you know we 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 get lost and confused and troubling. Um, and I think that that's a. I don't know. Do you get bonus points for even going down this road that no one else goes down, or do you not? Do you get like it? it is it one of those things where if you shoot this shot, you better not miss? Probably like it's like, you know what I mean? Like these are the the worst movies ever made are the word are the thing things that are about, you know, difficult, sub difficult subjects that do terrible jobs with it. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of value in having an incest victim make a movie about incest. I think obviously their perspective is valuable, but I go back to the directorial responsibility is he clearly had not worked through his shit when he made this movie and that made it not a good idea to make right now. Maybe he could make it now and it would have more perspective and, and he'd have more distance of it that he wouldn't be exporting his trauma onto other people. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he would be able to handle it all successfully but it's very sad yeah it's 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 a rough movie um i i want to rate it because um i want i don't want to rate it well i don't want to rate it but i want i I don't want to talk about it i'm thinking about giving it an na i I do there is one really positive thing i want to say about it yeah please which is that Ray, the thing I loved and the thing I think that movie nailed from the beginning was all of the phone conversations you hear his father having where he seems like this genial, friendly businessman. It's not over the top. Like he seems like a super nice guy, like a hardworking, good guy. And like 
that does so much to underlie how nobody will believe these kids. Like yeah. it, yes. it's yes. that was the depiction of the abuser was brilliant. I have to say. Yeah. And I, I agree with both of you. I think that it's, it is arguably maybe the only reason to make the movie to some degree or another. Um, I, I think that, that uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the idea the fact that the movie tries to make a human being out of a monster, um, which many have tried, and it always feels like to some degree or another we're, we're unsuccessful in doing so. Um, this movie does do that quite well. I, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the phone calls. I don't know how you guys watch this. Did you watch it on Tubi or I rented it on Amazon? I rented it on Amazon. I watched it on Tubi. Do you have the subtitles on by any Yes, I did. Yeah. I, I did too. The inaudible, the amount of inaudibles that are going on on the subtitles were fucking hilarious. Not on Tubi, <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> on was, Tubi, they was, tried every it, one of them. It was clear that whoever did the Amazon ones was like, "This is some fucking weird UK They're English." Barely shit speaking understand. English, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, I really do think this is. Uh, I, I, I making a you know making a human being out of a monster like. I'm all for I, I know you're all you guys are in agreement and you're saying the depiction of of the uh, the rapist uh, was exceptional. I think it was, you know, not surprisingly, rape is a pretty big topic in movies in 1999, rape and murder and, and child rape and things like that. But we did a 2009 film called The Lovely Bones, Oh God, which is one of the worst movies you'll ever see, in my opinion. Um, I read the book. I didn't see the movie. It's just an unbelievably bad film. And the, um, I can't believe that was a major studio movie. That I just people- can't look at Stanley Tucci that way. I, I can't allow that movie to destroy the Tucci for me. It won't. You know what you should watch? It, it, it is, won't. Um, if you have a chance, go on YouTube, Jessica, and watch the Oscar clip because after they show the clip, Tucci, literally, you can hear him say, it's so horrible. Like he literally <laughs> says something along those lines it's, that just makes you love him so much. That's amazing. It's just, it's just, it's mind blowing that that was considered a good performance and that was considered a good His only Oscar nomination. And that was considered, you know, like this, this is how you do it. When you, when you, when you have a guy who's going to rape and murder a child, this is, this is the way it's done. And that's really, that's really, you know, the horrible messaging. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's, I mean, it's, we've seen so many movies try to depict this, you know, in terms of the, just the, the, the monster, the rapist, the murderer, the what have you. Um, and it's so rarely successfully executed for, for so many reasons. I think that fundamentally, you know, we talk about, we were talking earlier about, you know, art and what have you but the second you project something onto something on a screen the size of a building you are immediately turning it into something else right you're it's not even a it's not a person anymore right and i commend this film it's probably the only thing that i one of the only things i commend the film for of really trying to dig into that idea of like what what a person like this might actually be do you know what I'm saying? As opposed to yes, this and, and this know. is what this is what this person actually is. And yeah. ninety nine times out of a hundred, yeah, this is what this person actually is. Yeah. And 
I know it is. You certainly have your place for the Dylan Baker happiness portrayals and things like that. I think those are really interesting too. But I don't think you. I don't. I think filmmakers want to pretend like these people are more obviously devious than they are. I think they want to believe that you will be able to spot the monster in a crowd of people. And I don't believe that's ever the case. You know, I I think that that's really that's something that this movie really, really got across. So well, and it's also I I feel like and I don't want to put words into director's mouths because I I mean, I don't know. But I I look at just to take Lovely Bones, for instance. Right. I, I look at that performance i look at the the performance that that uh peter jackson wanted out of him the production the costumes all of it right and it's all from a from a filmmaker surprisingly who made heavenly creatures which is i would say successful at attempting to do what it does um and i think it comes back to what you were saying kenny of of not really wanting to grapple with it wanting to make it a little bit larger than life so it feels less scary to some degree or another and less real Right. Like what makes this movie so harrowing is how scarily real it feels. You know what I mean? You, you, you feel like Ray Winstone is a, is a, a real person like that, you know, of the three scenes that you were talking about, Kenny, of the, the first scene when, when he's just screaming up to the bedroom, that middle scene, the one where he's completely calm and he's lucid and he's just gaslighting the shit out of them. I actually found that, the most scary of the three, right? Because that to me felt like I can see how this would be effective. And that's fucking scary. I think what's really scary about this particular character. Yeah. Is that he is, he is not a psychopath. He is not a sociopath. He is not even a particularly damaged person. This is just one aspect of his character. So to everyone else in the world, like, and it's, I think there's like this idea that someone who would do this is fundamentally broken in every way. Yeah. And what's really like, like they, they, they have, there's the moment where he, and Cheska, this is in the last part, but there's a moment where he's not allowed to see his baby. And he's, you know, clearly Tom's perspective is he shouldn't be around any of my siblings, right? Certainly not a woman, certainly not a, 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 a girl, a young, a young girl. And his thing is you have to let me see my Alice, which is the kind of line you would never give to a rapist because you wouldn't want to humanize them in any way. But I think what filmmakers don't understand is the moment they rape, they no longer are viewed by the audience as someone worthy of empathy in any way. So at that point, everything else they do starts to become a, oh my God, like, this guy is doing this. This is horrible. This is terrifying. This could be anybody. Yep. So, I feel like they always have to fucking look like Stanley Tucci, like sneaking around <laughs> looking for his next fucking victim. Not the real Tucci. Tucci in that yes. movie. He should see yes. his glasses and his, his outfit and the way he hair. talks and the way he fucking stalks yeah. and the way he comes out That's from around crazy. corners. Like, it's a how cartoon the, character. How the fuck did he last 50 years without getting arrested? Because he's so clearly on the lookout to do terrible things. All right. Um, I, I'm with you, Kenny, in terms of the fact that like it's kind of this is an unrateable movie to some degree or another. I was I, I was ultimately just gonna kind of 
I mean, clearly I was not going to recommend people watch this film. Um, at the same time, you know, we've been talking about it for a little over an hour now, and it, it has some compelling notions, some good performances. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, 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 don't watch this movie. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what to say outside of that. I'm not, so rating it is sort of like, I don't know. It is what it is. I, I can't really rate it. Um, but what I would like to talk about, I'll just is, do it. I'll just oh, do you can it. do it. OK, I'll just do it. it. All right. Do it. Because I did give it a rating before I gave it a 45 before. Um, I mean, I, I gave it a 40, but yeah, which is like exactly where I think it should be. I, you know, me like a 45. Um, I do think that this has a lot to recommend. I also think life is too short. Um, and I think there are other ways to um, I think you should listen to this podcast. Yeah, just I, think we, I think we did better. And uh, I, I think we gave, I think, I think we gave you, you know, the flavor of it um, without having to, you know, eat the whole fucking souffle. Um, Jessica is going to now talk with us about her top 10 star 11 um, movies of 1999. Um, because. And we're going to judge her mercilessly. <laughs> we're not going to judge her mercilessly. So, you know, it's funny you say that, Kenny, because last night Jessica texted me. She's like, God, this list is so fucking basic. Kenny's going to hate me. And I was like, Kenny's not going to hate you. Uh, and the problem ultimately with this year, which first Kenny of all, I-, I love that. Um, <laughs> I'm always thinking about you, Kenny. Why do you think, why, why do you think I would hate you? I'm just so curious. It's a terrible list. It's an embarrassing it's, list I for reasons I will get into. All right, but, I, but I hear what I was going to say. I won't, though, I won't, I don't, I, but I just don't, I, I'm trying to think of what list I would hate. Because they, I mean, they, Runaway the, Bride is on it. They, right? yes, Runaway Bride is not on it, but something possibly worse is. Oh, wow. let's do it. Let's, let's go. It. I'm excited now. Bottom, start at the bottom. Work your yeah. way up. Okay, these All are right. not. These are not in a particular order, but I will. Try, I will try Jessica, to order them. What I would love to do is for you to pause after each one and let's talk a little yes. bit about why it made why it made your list. And um, so, do you have just out of curiosity, Jessica? Do you have a number one? Yes. Okay. So then whatever the order up to that point is whatever. I'm just just curious. I will say these movies are all on here for one of three reasons. One, I I genuinely think the movie is a great film. There's not that many of those. Not be And honestly, I will admit like, this is where I I come clean as a a dilettante. Like there's a lot of really good movies from 99. I have not seen. So like out of sight is not on here because I haven't seen it. Out of sight. 98. Don't worry. Okay, cool. Excellent. Uh, but you should that watch two it. Reasons You'll love it. <laughs> Did you just write Anna and the King 11 times? No, I, I do have Entrapment in the number two spot. <laughs> uh, all right. But okay. So either they're very good movies. They are movies that made us. Well, I guess there's only two reasons. They're, they're movies that made a significant impact on me at the time. Like, because this was an interesting year for me. I, my family moved in the summer of 99. Uh, a block away from an independent movie house. So the second half of 99, I was 17. That was the first time I ever really went to movies on my own. And and I started seeing independent films. And so the, and, and just seeing films every weekend, because I moved away kind of from all my friends. So like these were, some of these are movies that blew my mind because I didn't really know movies could do that. They're not necessarily good movies. And to prove that... <laughs> Just, this is 11 is this no, well we'll get to 11 because okay. the thing about 11 is is it's asterisk it doesn't have okay, a place okay. so this is 10 okay. 10 is 
varsity blues. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> I'm already loving this list. I and the reason why. All right. <laughs> Let's roll. Blues opening night in a yeah. packed theater. Yeah. And people were on their feet cheering wow. at the football games, like the whole audience. It was like a rock concert. It was unbelievable. And I'd never seen a movie have that effect. And, you know, at the time I knew like, this is not a very good movie. Like it's, it's not. Uh, but I think that movie is partially responsible for me never turning into a snob about movies. Cause it's like, yeah. I'm seeing this affect people on a visceral, emotional level so much so that in a movie theater, they are compelled to get up and shout at the screen like they're at sure. a football game. And that that blew my mind. That's okay. cool. So yeah, right. Varsity Blues is special to me for that reason. Okay. Um, and then it gets murky. Uh, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You is just on there because I think that that movie gave us Heath Ledger in the way we came to understand him as charming, as a leading man, as, you know, this really kind of unusual energy. So I feel like, although that's, it's a fine, it's a cute teen movie. Like it, that gave a gift to cinema moving forward. Okay. So that's, that's all right. I'm okay with that too. This is, this is fine so far. (laughs) We're, we're in the bottom half of the list. Uh, it was just, a, for some reason, just most of the movies I saw that year were teen or romantic comedy related. So Notting Hill is on there. That's Notting Hill's on, on my li- on my 10 list. I hated that movie initially. I hated really? it for years. I found it really boring. And then the last like 10 years or so, it's become one of the, the rom-coms I just keep on rotation. Like, I think it's just got a maturity to it. And like a subtlety to the Roman, like it never gets into really why they like each other. It's all, you just feel it. It's mm-hmm. lovely. It's yep. the best. It's yeah. the best. It, so, feels, it feels like an actual romance and not some fucking, you know, taming of the shrew situation yeah. or some fucking, you know, like I'm like, I, I mean, that's what taming of the shrew is, yeah. but some duplicitous thing that got people into some romance some romance under false pretenses that's not what Notting Hill is no. Notting Hill is about two people who just fucking fall for each other they're different stations like in life care. different stations in life it's never gonna work but it could work Be, you know love conquers all it's the best fucking it's the best rom and it's also really funny it's the best rom-com I think ever made so that's you know that's my bias I I agree it's it's just lovely I love all the side characters they all have beautiful grace notes it's just an elegant film. Yep. Uh, and then we have Cruel Intentions. All right. Now, now, we're, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Cruel Intentions. I mean, what can you say? Like, again, I was 17. It was sleazy. It was sexy. I didn't understand that movies could be like philosophically complex and geared toward teenagers. Uh-huh. It had an amazing soundtrack. This is not, this is one of the ones I'm saying. Like, this is just fucking basic. I just love this movie. No, I, I, crazy about that movie and it, you know the the what came out of this podcast this long running podcast thing is i know it's not going to make my top 10 list at the end of the year but i also know that like as much as any movie it's that's the kind of movie i wish got made every fucking week i i it's perfect it's so awesome it's so it's it, I, what i love about it now that i'm thinking about it is it was made cheaply, yet it feels so fucking maximalist. 
Yeah. Um, and I'm crazy about that. Like it feels so big only because these like these emotions and these machinations are just so much bigger than even these characters can can, can pull off. I mean, the actors can pull off. And I think the actors like come close enough. Like I love like I mean, I think Sarah Michelle Gellar is amazing in this movie. And I love her like grown ups, you know, like her grown up cosplay. I love her like, yeah. you know, 40 year old femme fatale, you know, Upper East Side, like monster cosplay thing. She's the best in this film. You Great know, choice. Funny. Have you guys watched Do Revenge? No, no not is yet. Is it good? You know, I, I, I liked it. I, I didn't dislike it, but I Sarah Michelle Gellar plays a headmaster in the film. Yeah, she um, says she says it's like Catherine grown up, right? Yeah. It, I mean, the movie does feel like it's trying to be Cruel Intentions meets Clueless, which is a tone that's tough to thread. Um, but seeing Sarah Michelle Gellar again, uh, yeah, you're just like, she was great. You know, and we should just she should just work more. I just love to see her in more things. But um, anyway, what, I also feel like in terms of cultural significance, I feel like that's another movie that that birthed forward oh, yeah. Gossip Girl and the entire oh, yeah. like CW oh, yeah. era of shows. Hundred percent. Um, okay, so there's one more on the bottom five, and that's But I'm a Cheerleader, which was another one that was just like we love that. Movie. I didn't know movies could do that. I didn't know we were allowed to talk about that. I was a you know baby bisexual at the time, and. So that was that one was a little personal revelation for me. <laughs> and I loved it. All right. Here's where I'll talk about the asterisk. I hate having this movie on my list and I feel bad about it. Oh, boy. I know. Well, is. and I mean, I should like this I'm is, here, the, I, I know, this is the movie that has fallen the farthest in reputation since there's it came out, which is answer. can't hear you. Kenny. There's only one answer. Yeah. What do you think? I, it's American Beauty. It's American Beauty. Yeah. yeah. The script is so fucking gorgeous. And honestly, I know, like, Kevin Spacey is a pedophile. Nobody should ever watch this movie again. But I do think that the actual story it's trying to tell about him and the young teenage girl feeds into the plot's idea of you don't actually want the things you're being told to want. You, your society is telling you that old men should want young, hot women. And when you get down to it and realize that this is a kid and it's a virgin, you're going to realize, like, you don't fucking want that. And that's what the whole movie is over and over again, is you don't want the beautiful house. You don't actually want this. Like, you don't need to keep up this facade that you're not gay. And how destructive that those following those impulses against your own actual huh. desires can be. Like, that's mm. how I see that movie. That's a nice read. Yeah, that isn't that is that's a generous read. I know. Yeah. And I, I think the score <laughs> is beautiful. I think Annette Benning is amazing. Like, he is. It's, it's funny. The you score is beautiful. Annette Benning is amazing. The score we those. talked about that on our on our red violin episode. Um uh you know it's funny you bring it up because I actually just uh apropos of nothing, I watched the pilot of Six Feet Under today. Um and you know I as as he does every Thursday. As I do every Thursday. Um <laughs> and I Wednesday is West Wing Day. <laughs> I do think that it's a purer version of Alan Ball's sort of um perspective on the world i think that american beauty and i'm sure you've read all the stuff about american beauty is sort of production and and how the script changed pretty drastically yeah, over the process yeah. so it's it, it does feel a little bit like and i think i i mean i like the script parts of the script i really love um i would not have given it best 
original screenplay in 1999 personally um there are other films that i think uh deserved it more being john malkovich probably being at the top of that list but i but i do think that um to your point and i mentioned this when we did our episode on american beauty many many moons ago it was supposed to be our first movie and then we decided to move it for obvious reasons um well i mean the the Kevin the Kevin Spacey accusations came out between us re- recording it and launching the podcast. Oh, wow. Correct. So, so I, we're, I, like, I, we're going to yeah. change this. I, yeah. Um, but I, but I do want to say that what I do love about it um, is what you can see in Six Feet Under, which is the grappling of uh, the existential sort of idea of is there something after this the magic realism that exists within the two pieces yeah are the thing that i love the most but yeah it deserves a pretty giant asterisk next yeah. i think it i think it stinks but you know <laughs> what are you gonna do and the thing was this was another one that i saw it i think in the theaters and hated 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 thought it was the worst movie i'd ever seen and then like three years later rented it and saw it again for some reason just out of lack of options and was like oh holy shit i missed everything that was interesting about this movie but huge huge asterisk not technically on the list when we when we wrap up this podcast in which is crazy to say in in a few weeks um few months a few months a couple months but uh i i do feel like um we have to kind of grapple with like we need to do not just like our favorites like there's other lists we have to do i feel like to some degree of like you know most overrated or age the best and that i'll, co- I'll come you know we we yeah. do those yeah. we do those yeah. so we'll do we'll do we'll do tens we'll do okay. tens Great. for a lot of those all right okay. sorry jessica that's all right all right number five is a gimme it's toy story 2 yes perfect movie there's really nothing to say about it. So it's good. just a it's a it's a it has the deeply traumatic Sarah McLaughlin song, hook, which I will never forgive people during Jesse's abandonment. You're broken. Is it yeah. your is, is it your favorite Toy Story? It sounds like it is. It's my favorite Toy Story. It's not What's my favorite, your favorite Pixar. Pixar. What's no. your Pixar? I I go back and forth a lot. I can I can usually not pick. I would say uh, Gut Instinct is Finding Nemo is my favorite. Okay. Um. So that that one is easy. The, 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 this is where I become an absolute. I hate myself for the rest of this list. Uh, all right, number four, we're going to say is Fight Club. Yep. No, Don't we're yeah. No, I, I, no, no, no. I'm with, I'm with you. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. no, no, I, no. I, I, I'm okay. saying I'm saying the exact opposite thing, which is, I hope that the 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 Fight Club thing starts going up yeah. again because it's so much better. Than its current reputation. Yeah. Its current reputation has like I get it. It's been you know, it it's been co opted by I guess the incel community or something to that extent. But um, not really a, and b like whatever you know like it, it means nothing like the like so is the Matrix right? It really ultimately means nothing. Uh, the film was brilliant. The film like so brilliant uh we it's one of our favorite episodes but yeah i was very afraid to watch that movie and do this movie because one i never really loved it and uh two i didn't want to come out against it and i was so happy but i was so happy because coming out against it's very boring to me in this day and age but um i'm so so satisfied with that film so great i'm also you know you mentioned it it's worth just underlining it for a quick second that that you know, we talked about how do we do this movie? Who do we do this movie with? Um, and and Karen Kusama, who 
couldn't have been a better guest wow. for us, just in terms of she really like it was truly the perfect guest to have on just in terms of obviously a director, a female director, the way that she like she rewatched it, obviously, to do the pod and, and the way that she saw it through the prism of today um, really buoyed the movie for me. I don't know if you felt the same way, Kenny, but like just well, definitely it allowed me to sort of. It's so interesting, too, because like you look at Fincher's filmography and it's it's the one that people kind of go like, yeah, but that's like the bro men's rights movie that he did. And it's like, no, there's nothing about Fincher's filmography that would lead you to believe that that was his take on this movie. And it's unfortunate that it's been tagged with that a little bit. You know, I. A couple of people I respect. <laughs> um take the uh take the 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 pov that you know essentially not necessarily that depiction is endorsement but that by depicting something you're putting um by depicting something and depicting something in the way that fincher doesn't with fighting in this or so as he does with the mob in his movies um you are you're glamorizing it and that sensory memory is going to override any underlying message yeah, that you know is really kind of you know the message statement of the movie. I I, I strongly disagree with that. I yeah. I don't think I don't think you make I don't think you make movies for you know for 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 the dummies. It is unfortunate that dummies sometimes co opt these films or or try to steal these movies. I mean, The Matrix is another one. But what are you gonna do? What do you do? Not make movies? You know, do your What's best. Your three? What's your three, <laughs> Jessica? Uh, my three is Galaxy Quest. Oh wow, you got Good a great movie. list. I don't, and it feels great so movie. no no you got a great list. term it feels very soft boy like i they feel like this 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 list makes me not feel like a serious dumb person but i'm really not i have weird random taste as the rest of this list. No, i like i like suggest. this list I like yeah it all right galaxy quest just perfect there's again like nothing to say the best version of that kind of movie you could ever make mm-hmm. and alan rickman yeah so that's uh, just just for those keeping count that's two tim allen's good uh, <laughs> it is two well here we are uh, yeah uh Staying on the Alan Rickman theme, my number two movie is Dogma. Wow. <laughs> Which I think, as someone who is the daughter of a Catholic deacon, is the most profound movie about Catholicism that has ever been made. And yes, Scorsese can take a damn seat. I think this is the most interesting. This is the hottest take you've ever had. I know. Just this is the most interesting movie. And my father agrees with me. My father, who is a deacon, agrees with me. Like, this movie tackles the concept of grappling with what the church has come to be versus what its origins were supposed to be about in a more honest and authentic way than any movie has ever touched. And I mean, the man got death threats over it. So he was, he was jumping up and down on the right notes uh, to scare the the institutionalists of Catholicism. I, I think it was a daring movie. I wish to God he had kept making movies like this. Um, we still have uh, a little more to go. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I do just want to say for one, for just to, I, we don't need to do a whole relitigation. No, no, dogma, come on, talk gonna, about dogma. I, I'll just say this, because I, I actually liked it. I think I had, I liked it a little bit more than Kenny. And our, our guest um, was Sean O'Connor, who uh, is a big View Askew, or grew up a big View Askew fan. I think he's 
it's been tempered in the years since. But uh, I actually didn't hate it. Um, I think it's a more accomplished movie than it's given sort of credence to having. Just it, on, a, on a purely production level, I think it's the best movie he's physically made. Sure. Um, it, 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 shit monster aside, I do think that it's. Uh, you can tell Shit monster aside. <laughs> you can tell he's legitimately really trying. Um, and I think he stops trying basically after that movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's a bold, crazy film, and it's kind of amazing that it was attacked as much as it was by the Catholic right. Um, because it's it's a silly movie that's kind of for all intents and purposes saying like Catholic is kind of silly and like this is kind of it's it's a little ridiculous that we um that we put as much stock in it as we do or in religion across the board i don't seem to i don't I, I don't know it's not for me <laughs> it's not kenny's tempo it's it, like I, I mean i think i said this on the pod when i was when i was i was 17 and 99 when i was 17 i had a top 10 list of all the movies ever made and dogma was on the list. Mm-hmm. So there certainly was a moment in my life when I thought this was transcendent, you know, a transcendent piece of filmmaking, but I, it, it, I don't anymore. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, like I just have to defend it. Like he knew his audience. He knew his audience better than a lot of filmmakers did at the time. He knew he, sure. he was talking to, and he decided to make this extremely authentic story about his own struggle with the religion he'd been raised in and try to share it with that audience. He didn't try to speak to an audience that was not as he wasn't suddenly trying to be a, you know, a legit mainstream. He was trying to talk about himself honestly and authentically. And I think that was so brave. And I think then he got scared and he stopped trying to do that. But like, I I think he was so impressed by it. I think he was too. I think personally, I think that I think people who are into Kevin Smith are also the kind of people who think religion is a joke. So I, um, and I, 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 I am also that kind of person. So I, I'm certainly, you know, I, 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 that's in no way, you know, condemning anybody. But I, I, I think that he was preaching to the choir, personally. And I think any death threats, death threats, any any blowback from the Catholic Church he got was exactly what he wanted. So I don't know. He's talked about it, and he seems pro- he was profoundly affected by it. He didn't think anybody would see it. I, I do get the sense that he's never really. He knows who he is. He didn't he think people. Kind of he didn't think people would see the Affleck Damon Alanis Morissette, Chris no, Rock movie. I, I mean, come on, Kev. Maybe I don't know that he saw. I don't know that he thought it would have that it would be as explosive as it was. Yeah, I think that really freaked him out. I mean, I think that's why you've seen the kind of latter movies you've seen out of him. Is I it? wish we had you on for the Dogma Pod. Yeah, uh, I, we had no idea. We had, yeah, I, I, I had no idea, or I genuinely, we, we, I mean. All right, all right. What's your number What's, one? Wh- wait, two. I don't. Before you say it, <laughs> there are a lot of really good movies that are not on your list, and I don't mean that as a as a judgment. I mean to say. I have no idea what's going to be number one. Yeah, I, I would know. like you to guess. I want you both to guess. I guess election. I'm going to guess The Matrix. You are both. I hate both of those movies. Whoa. Hate. Uh, Election, I will admittedly, I haven't seen again since 99. Uh, so I didn't like it at the time and I haven't rewatched it. Uh, but That's The Matrix. You're a wild card. I know. I just say. No. Wait, wait, wait. All right. So I'll, let's have more guesses. Yeah, I'm going to guess again. All right. Oh, wow. This, this, this feels. I'm going to say Town to Mr. Ripley. 
No? Huh. It's still a guy. It's a good guess. I'm going to say, geez Louise, six cents. No. Although I like both of those, but no, okay. neither one is on my list. Okay, go ahead. Okay. The Insider. Great film. Great movie. Yeah. Never in a million years would have Never guessed, would have guessed that on this list. <laughs> Such a great movie, list. though. <laughs> this list was amazing. This list is everything I could have wanted it to be. It was all left turn. Varsity the, Blues to the Insider. The uh, thing about the thing about the Insider, which is like, it's like I, I can't even get over that. Like. I don't know how to explain this, what just happened with your list, because like, like you're, it's like you just flew us. It's like you, it's like, it's like you flew us through a fucking asteroid field and somehow landed like right on the, the just like, right. But yeah. like, just like the middle fucking landing pad and it just, it all, it was incredible. The middle landing like strip. movies for a lot of different reasons. You know, I was my I was raised in this weird insider. Way where my dad would just bring home whatever he thought looked interesting from the video store. So, like, I feel like I never developed a a dedication to the canon. And sure. also like but I saw enough of the canon great films that I appreciate them. So, yeah, my taste is insane. And this is why I have trouble selling screenplays because people are like to me. You know, my hot, you, you know, my hot insider take, right? No, my hot insider take is Pacino is the performance of that movie. Oh, that's absolutely. mine. I agree with you. No. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're in agreement. Not that hot of a take. Well, I, it's a hot take. I don't know. Phil doesn't agree, but I, 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 I felt like I'm I felt like I was the only one. I know I you. I know you love them both, but it's always yeah. like, you know, Crow is nominated. Everyone thinks it's Crow's movie to me. Like. The story is, is this the story is the Pacino story. That's like that's the story of the film and and his, you know, his kind of internal grappling with how to handle this guy and and how important the story is that he's telling. Is it something he should be doing or something he shouldn't be doing? Or is it worth right. this man's life in the balance? I love his performance in this film so much. Um, great film. Well, I was going to what I was going to say is not that I disagree. I just don't know that it's as binary as that. Like, I, I really don't think that. Russell Crowe's performance is Russell Crowe's performance without Al Pacino and vice versa. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to put a gun to my head and say, which is the showier performance, it's obviously Russell Crowe. It's the one that obviously got all the acclaim. It's the one that, um, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, put him on the map and we all kind of agree probably should have won that year. No, no, not, not having seen every movie of the year, but out of the nominees, maybe out of the nominees. Maybe out of the yeah. nominees, yeah. Yeah, I mean, although Farnsworth is spectacular in, yeah. in Straight Story. I, I mean, like, but, I, I mean, but yeah, but I would say, like, Pachita should have been nominated twice and should have split it with himself. Not just for, no, for this in any given Sunday, he should have nominated twice. And he should have split the vote with himself when no one else should have gotten any vote and he should have had to go up there twice. <laughs> and his Oscar uh, clip should have been the speech about inches. I'm so, you know, I, 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 I hate, I hate the, I hate the repurposing of that speech. I hate the repurposing, but you know, I'm like, I Have don't under- give it Sunday. Justin? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't understand. It, it infuriates me. It's like it's you know what it is. It's like playing fucking born in the USA at a Reagan rally. <laughs> like you. How can you have this like speech? How could you have a speech about like how important this game is and how important everything is in a movie that's explicitly about how horrible this game is? Well, you know, it's funny, to, which is exactly what you're talking about, is the idea that the terminology snowflake 
comes from Fight Club, which is actually making fun of toxic masculinity and all of these idiots, but it's been co-opted by the right to make fun of libs. Like it's you got to fucking twist yourself into pretzels. Ah, I'm taking it back. We're not the snowflakes. We can live in cities. <laughs> I you agree. understand my point. Like it's just the, the, the co-opting of of things or just the blatant disregard for the clear intent of it is oh. just infuriating. Sure. I mean, hey, they, they, literally the the, bet, the the reason Twitter was worthwhile was what? Elon Musk saying, take the red pill, Ivanka Trump saying, take in, and Lily, and Wichows- Lily Wachowski like, saying, fuck, fuck, fuck both of you. Or <laughs> 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 might have been Lada. I don't know. One of the Wachowskis. One of the people. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's fuck incredible. both of you. <laughs> I think it's fuck you both, but it's so good. It's so it's, it's good. Perfect. I, I Fonka Trump saying taken. I mean, Jessica, right. this list. Good was list, Jessica. Perfect. Good this list. list I, from, I can't from, wait to do this. More guests. Phil. yeah, it's going to be great. Um, it, it is. Thank you for being our guinea pig. Of course. It, going from varsity blues to the insider in 10 moves is something. <laughs> um, also, can I just say? Hating election and the Matrix is also a hot, hot take, Jessica. I really probably do have to watch election again because I may have been too stupid to understand it, but I, I hated you'd, it at you'd, 17. You'd love it. <laughs> you might like it. I you'd, maybe it, it's look, I hate I'm Alexander. I'm not a fan of cynical movies in general, which was the vibe that very much gave off to me. That is the anti me kind of movie. I hate Alexander Payne with every fiber of my being. And he I think does, ele- I think election is one of the greats. Um, I'll give that another shot. I'm not budging on the Matrix. Wh- whatever. That's fine. Wh- but whatever it is with whatever it, he does with election yeah. makes me almost think it was an accident. I mean, I think I, I watched that movie and I watched that movie and I, and, and I said, no, it's it, everything is so finely tuned that it could possibly be an accident. So I don't know what the fuck happened, but something happened. Like, I think it's worth noting too. the cynicism took over. Is and his mis- and his misogyny. He's the most mis- no for he's sure. The, he's the most mis- he's the most misogynistic human who's ever been allowed to make a movie, and um, he's made eight of them or whatever. But election is not that. It only I, is it only is that if you put it if you plot it as the first point on a line that goes to uh, Kristen Wiig doing the worst thing that's ever that anyone's ever done in a movie in downsizing. I think what's interesting about the film, if we're going to just talk for a brief second about Alexander Payne, it's one of the few films. Well, no, I guess he has adapted a fair amount of things. The source material of of Tom Parado's novel um, gives him the blueprint to make that film, obviously. And I think there's a bunch of ways, obviously, to skin a cat when it comes to adaptation. But I do think that. Um, and then just reading the Tracy Flick sequel that came out earlier this year, I do think that Tom Parada creates in the Tracy Flick character something that's so sort of unimpeachable and kind of, I don't want to say bulletproof, but that it would have been tough for Payne to fuck it up for what that's worth. Um, very curious to see if he directs the sequel. Uh, I, I'm, I'm of the mind that maybe he should not, um, but who knows? Uh, All right. It'd be interesting. Um, Jessica, a blast as always. Um, this was this was uh, harrowing and then a lot of fun. You know, we ended. On, <laughs> we ended I'm glad on I could bring us out of incest back into back into the insider and varsity blues and. Yeah. Uh, but no, truly, I mean, I, I thank you so much for coming on to talk about this 
rough movie. Um, you know, obviously subject matter triggering and all that sort of stuff. This was a great episode. I think we did justice to a very difficult movie. Um, and, uh, and it's primarily thanks to you. So truly. Thank you guys so much. And and congratulations on being close to wrapping it up. You both have done such an amazing job with this podcast. Thank you so much. There's no question that, uh, my guess is you'll be back. (laughs) You think think I'll make it back in? I think you're going to be back. I, I, I feel like there's, uh, there's, there's still a bunch of ways to, 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 Go Do we need so. to redo the dogma episodes? <laughs> oh man, can you imagine relitigating I, dogma? I, well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't want to watch it again. That's for sure. No, All I right. don't really want to watch it again either. But okay. All uh, right, Jessica, great. Thank you. So yeah, great to see you, Jessica. Thanks. Take guys. care. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.